we all live in this world right now. We have been through 10 years of absolute disruption and craziness in our media businesses. And we've been trying to figure out, everybody's searching for the, the business model that's going to save us, the magic bullet that's going to deliver us from the evil. And the bottom line is, is content doesn't make money, as my friend said. We have to find ways of making money. And then we have to keep doing what we do because it's important to our communities. Journalism that matters is the theme of today's podcast. It's a piece of audio that I got while I was in Salt Lake City for the Association of Alternative News Media's annual conference. The audio is a presentation and uh, a short interview with Elizabeth Osder. She's a big J journalist, an editor, media executive, and educator who's been in journalism uh, for over 25 years. So she has a unique perspective. As she says in her interview, she wasn't on the sidelines uh, of, as our industry was changing. She was in the mix, and uh, she talks a little bit during the interview about that that perspective and, and, and some of the lessons she learned from it. She also talks about what things interest her in journalism. You know, sometimes on this podcast, I feel that we, we spend a lot of time talking about what's wrong with journalism and, you know, imagining what the future is and and trying to figure out which technology we should learn and, and what skill we should pick up. And uh, we forget sometimes that there are a lot of people out there who are doing really innovative work and uh, Elizabeth reminds me of that uh, during our co- our conversation. And uh, her presentation is about journalism that matters. So let's listen to that. All right. So, uh, yeah, this guy's a hard act to follow. Uh, so I rename my presentation, Be Focused on Your Great Journalism, Son, or Ladies, or whatever version of anything you are today, because it's a tough act to follow somebody who I think um, – I really appreciated your presentation because outside of my glorious journalism background that I just went through, I have crisscrossed the seas of commercialism and marketing, and I work with brand marketers all the time now, and I actually uh, do more, a lot more work uh, like you talked about most of my life. So um, I crossed over because I wanted to find ways of making money and that my egg-headed resume of all that good academia stuff and so forth and that I did for so many years uh, stopped working, and I needed to break out of my box. So, uh, you know, I put a couple of bio slides in here. I didn't know you were going to introduce me, but, you know, I'm ancient, 25 years doing this digital crap, all right? Um, I've done a lot of stuff. I helped launch the New York Times. I ran Razorfish Advance. I did a bunch of different companies I taught, but... Uh, you know, for the last eight years, I've been running a consultancy, uh, which I'm focused on basically no-nonsense consulting from people who experience getting the job done. We go in and we pull the Band-Aids off, the fantasy of how things can be, and bring them into the reality of where they're going. Um, I've had a ton of consulting clients. I've worked with all kinds of big, fancy people and little uh, important people. But I've always done basically... 20 to 30% of my work really focused on great journalism that matters. And along the lines of that, I've worked with the Investigative News Network. I helped launch ProPublica, and I set up their data desk. Um, I helped launch the Daily Beast. I work with notable journalists like Bill Moyers on their future. But at the same time, I've paid my bills by working with large media companies and tech startups. And I tell you that story only because... um, 
I'm here today because there's a part of what everybody does in this room outside the business issues that really, really matters and is at the heart and soul of, um, of what uh, alternative weeklies mean and what they mean to us. Um, i just say also that I currently work for a platform called Lacana, which is um, a technology platform. So I've got a lot of different lives um, and a lot of things that I could talk about. And um, what I wanted to talk about today was just quickly how I look at uh, the way things go, which is, you know, it's all been about media technology, audience, and impact. And we can talk about all the products, all the markets, all the research, all the terrific stuff that my friend here talked about in terms of building the business. And you need subject matter experts to do that. We need to find people to work at our newspapers who can create those experiences and who can break out the models of, quite honestly, and I agree that, you know, the, the, uh, the, the advertisement is over in the way that we've been looking at it in digital. We have to find new ways of monetizing. But um, so I've walked over the years to look at how do we combine media with technology to deliver audience with impact. And there's a portion of the work that I've done which has to do with doing great journalism and understanding the width of our book that we put out every week and how much of it is filled with the journalism that really matters. Those things that are so unique that require the editorial integrity to be preserved as sacrosanct and supported and underwritten by the aspirations of the business. And that's the journalism I want to talk about today and that I think you're doing. Um, I also want to talk, uh, to take a minute to weave together some of the talks that I heard while I was here because whereas I can impart a lot of knowledge on you, what I can also do is report on what I heard in the rooms here about that work. And that's what I'm going to try uh, to do. Um, so, you know, journalism, what's the matter? Matter is a wonderful word. So many definitions and so much meaning. But the two to consider today are it's either something that occupies space that we print and we put in things and it's there, which is like an ad or a story, or it's something of consequence. And so, again, my thought today is to talk a little bit about the journalism that we do that's of consequence and the power of local media as a network of journalism of consequence and how when it's supported by a great business and unwritten and can survive, because I kind of agree that content is not a business, uh, but you must create something of unique value. Um, so... Quickly, um, we all came from the old world where we had a monopoly. We created things. We pumped them down people's uh, um, heads. It was one way. We broadcasted it. They had to listen to us. This is when I got started. We went through uh, probably the last 10 years where it was a crazy-ass marketplace where we just didn't know what was going on. And uh, I always show this picture to talk to people, which is uh, what's this a picture of out there? Anybody, this is your interactive, interactive session. What's it a picture of? It's a marketplace. What's being bought? Commodity, okay. Uh, who's doing the buying? Who's doing the selling? Yeah, what's the price? Whatever anybody will bargain for. So a few years ago, I would show this slide, and people were like, Wow, the world is different. Oh, my God. But we all live in this world right now. We have been through 10 years of absolute disruption and craziness in our media businesses. And we've been trying to figure out, everybody's searching for the, the business model that's going to save us, the magic bullet that's going to deliver us from the evil. And the bottom line is, is content doesn't make money, as my friend said. We have to find ways of making money. 
And then we have to keep doing what we do because it's important to our communities. So um, I'm just going to go uh, quickly. So what I wanted to talk today about was journalism in a network world a little bit um, and talk about the fact that, you know, in, in that picture that I showed you, it's not clear that it's a network. It's not clear who's doing the buying and the selling. Everything was confused the last few years. But all of a sudden, it's clearing up. And it's clearing up in the ways that we just heard. Uh, the, and, and a network value is important, and we're seeing new businesses emerge. And we're not thinking about how those new businesses and how those new economics and how those new ways of doing things impact the way that we do and share our journalism. We're trying to hold on to our old ways of making journalism, manufacturing it the way that we used to. So basically, you, as the members of Anne, and as local media publishers, are a network. You are in many cities across the country, serving individual communities, but together you have incredible scale and an incredible mission. And what we find in networks is, is that the more people that participate, the greater the value of the network. And what we've been doing over the years is operating in separate communities, doing separate stories, caring about things. And there's no question that there's local relevance. But what we need to do is to start thinking about how we can work together and how collaboration and sharing as a way of doing journalism can improve the impact of it and, and the creation. So, um, you know, some real-world examples, I'd just say. Um, the network, you know, right now, what would it mean to be Uber or Airbnb? What do those businesses mean about collaborating? All of a sudden, we're in a world where they're on-demand services. As we heard before, things are going from advertising and selling attention to selling actual conversion and money. That the value of Uber is the number of people that participate in it and the revenue that each driver gets out of participating in it. And the value of Airbnb is all of a sudden that local value is created for people that rent their apartments and their houses who used to not be able to derive value from it. So there's this incredible change in the world right now. And we just haven't been talking about it as it relates to journalism. And I don't know that I'm going to have some brilliant thought for you today about it. I just thought it was a chance to think about it, which is, you know, what is an on-demand network of journalism where you as a, as, as a unit across the country in all of your locations have expertise, knowledge, uh, experience, um, stories that you're doing that you can share. Um, and you've been doing these things over the years um, in this room, in this conference. Everybody comes here to share ideas, to talk about what they're doing, to talk about best practices. And then they go home. And then they fly the next year to the next conference. And so what I wanted people to think about today was what it would be like to keep those conversations going throughout the year. And what would it be like to keep those conversations going about the stories that you're doing. So quickly I'm going to run through a handful of the, the, the talks I heard today, I mean yesterday, which is Jesse Holcomb from Pew painted the same sad picture about what's going on. Newspapers are declining, local matters, um, and it's uh, everybody searching for the great new business model, and maybe somebody will find it, and nonprofit news is what we all focused on, but it actually never delivers. The other discussion I went to that showed me a lot about the way we think in old media ways was um, uh, an editorial roundtable, and I just wanted to talk about the arc of the conversation during that session. 
which is, it was a great session. I loved it. And I was dismayed after five minutes when it started, which was, you know, it started out with talking from Baltimore, you know, breaking the mold of news coverage. When a story like Freddie Gate Gray happens in Baltimore, how do you have to flow out, throw out your newspaper and cover it in different ways? How do you have to disrupt the factory formula that you're in and churning something else every week and looking at how you're going to cover something different? And then it moved to um, the complaining phase. It moved to this sort of like the Kubler-Ross stages of grief, and then we get to acceptance at the end, which is ad sales. It must deliver four pages of food coverage, otherwise we're in trouble. And we can't do the journalism we want because we need four pages of, of food coverage. Then it moved into a fascinating and painful conversation about how to get the clicks, how to get the clicks that aren't worth very much that we just heard about. What's the best way to get the clicks? How often do we put information on Facebook? How often do we tweet? How many times an hour do we get that? And it was all about what you do, because you're all one-way broadcast thinkers. I do this. I do that. I do this. But nobody thinks about the impact of it. Okay? Nobody actually thinks the equation all the way through and says, well, what's the ROI on the click? What's the return on that? What's the return on your mission? What's the return for your business? Everybody is obsessed with the tools and the craft of the trade. Then it started to move into another direction. At this point, I was really happy because I've been doing the uh, click chasing thing for so many years that I, I could run out of a room and scream, but came to digital programming and the concept that we can actually be digital first, digital first programmers, that what we put in our newspaper could come out the day before. Now, I'm kind of dating you folks, because these are conversations, as I said, I'm old. I've been having these conversations for 25 years. When are we going to get on the new ones? Okay. And I was desperate. I thought, we're not going to get to the new conversation. We're not going to get there. But then we did. There was a bright light of hope in the room. And we started to get back to why we were there in an editorial roundtable talking about what the members of this association do that's unique. So after three quarters of the time was up, we started talking about diversity coverage and how people do that in their newsrooms. And I learned the, the, the term I had heard of, dick counting, which is you know how many men are in your pictures and how many men are reported on. And, and we talked a little bit about dick counting, which you know it's, it's, it's an occupation for those people who need to provide balance and diversity in their coverage. And then somebody said something that I thought was totally terrific. They said, well, we don't write for diverse audiences um, we, we need to write for diverse audiences and not about them. And it seemed to be a fundamental concept that I just wanted to pull out today, which is if the quality of your coverage, the way you engage a community and the way you make money is about knowing who is your community, and you've only been sitting on the mountain for so long writing about, um, about them, what does it mean to write for them? How does that change your craft? How does that change what goes on in the room? So then there were some wonderful discussions. And along each of these, there were some wonderful stories of journalism, of stories that were being done. And I wish I had the time to go into them. But the next one was, OK, well, how can we collaborate with our community to do this work? How can we actually uh, realize that we're dick counting from on high and that we're writing about people, not for people? And how do we actually get off our high horse and get out there and become relevant? to actually create some content that will engage people to keep them coming back so nice gentlemen like this can monetize them. Um, so uh, I thought that was good. So there are many stories. The one I pulled out because it had data, 
Data's not a bad thing. Data's good. Journalism's not subjective. It's ob some things are objective. You're counting dicks, you're being objective. So stop pretending that you're subjective. Look for some data. Because you do it anyway when you're wearing your little diversity hat and doing all the stuff that you do. So the Boulder Weekly uh, did a very interesting project about, I, I wouldn't, I'd be, I, I can't capture it really well, but it was about uh, recapturing, reinvigorating Latino history, sort of talking about the Latinos in the community, where they came from, how they got there, and getting involved with the community. And as a result of that work, the Latino readership of their publication rose from 2 to 15%. And I was like, wow, I've just had a full experience as a 21st century journalism prof professional. I have gone from to stop talking about tools and tactics and complaining about what I don't get and why I'm so entitled and the world needs me into talking about how I actually changed my coverage and it resulted in a more engaged and involved audience in my product. I was like, right on, that's great. So, and then the conversation moved on to the sort of the, the, you know, the arc of the conversation. We really, we hit the acceptance stage when the question was asked, <clears throat> who and how do we do our work? What does it mean to our staff? How do we look like our communities? Are we the last bastion for everybody who has a liberal arts education who wanted to be a writer? Or are we actually, <laughs> are we actually doing something that, uh, that actually has an impact on a community? There is nothing wrong with the other. When I read through all my journalism, I did that for years, and I still do when I care about those things. But fundamentally, there's something going on right now, which is the doors of your offices have been blown out by the collaborative economy. The people that used to not have a voice who relied to get into your channels through, you know, through your newspaper can establish their own. If you do not invite them in, they will find their own audiences and serve themselves, and there will be entrepreneurs who, who service those audiences. And they will be pragmatic from the start because they'll be small business people who understand the chicken and egg game of what came first, the ad or the editorial, that you better have some money in order to do something and that you have to underwrite your activities. So I just love this conversation, and I, I don't want to take up too much time with it, but it, uh, it was part of the story that I heard yesterday. The other story I heard yesterday that I thought was very helpful was Yuri Victor's story from Vox. And I could not summarize this dude because it was a great talk and I feel like an old, boring, frumpy lady up here talking about stuff and I can't keep up with the young hipsters. But anyway, you know, but what he talked about was how do we replace people, process, technology, and meetings and all the way that we manufacture our publications with a culture of collaboration, creation, and sharing. And he talked about the ways that they work. And you think about the way you work in your organization. You think about what changes in work when you pop open a Google Doc and you collaboratively share something. You think about when you stop having meetings and you talk about things in chat rooms. These are ways of making your journalism that can make it better. And you know, he talked about the fact that what they do is, is they don't have to reinvent the wheel every day. Because they do things in a collaborative way, they recognize things that they need, they make them, they fix them, and they move on. They don't actually repeat themselves over and over again. And that's why I went through that cycle before, which is for 20 years I've been speaking at journalism conferences and watching the same roomfuls of people go through the five same conversations and to forget about when you're on the business side of the house, talk about the business with the best practices, and when you're on the editorial side of the house, talk about how to do your editorial in the best ways. And then the last talk quickly was uh, Joe Allen Kayser from the uh, Media Consortium had a session about editorial collaboration and what it might mean to take some of the stories that we're doing and work together with them. 
and to look at reporting that's going on in one community and in another and how that we might have a national agenda or conversation. Um, sorry, I went the wrong way. So food for caught, what does it mean to do journalism that matters? Um, you know, there are ways of doing things. Uh, so. You know, I was going to use my time, and I don't have that much, to talk about some of the reporting that came out of this year that will be awarded tomorrow night. But um, I can talk about what I heard yesterday, but when I go through the award nominees, I see the incredible work that's coming out of um, each of your newspapers. And I see a system that's been, pro you know, that's been primed over the years to do the work to get the award. And I wish everybody the best. But I stopped looking at what the work was, and I looked at the topics. And I thought a little bit about how salient they are to the condition of this country right now and important, how important this journalism is. And these were some of the topics that popped out. Immigration reporting, criminal justice reporting, police reporting, medical marijuana reporting, or just not non-medical marijuana reporting, um, house of housing authority. Um, and then there was a great story on the sharing economy, which actually explained all the things that are happening in the world that we don't apply to the way that we do our journalism. Um, campus safety and sexual assaults. <clears throat> An innocent woman on death row. Um, why Nashville schools are failing. These are the stories that you're all doing all the time. It's great work and you feel under pressure that you never have enough resources to do it. But I think that what I wanted to talk about to go is, is that, you know, this is one of my favorite quotes. Nothing has so great a hold on the human imagine, uh, mind as the nonsense fortified with technicalities. And um, it's not a quote of anybody famous. It's a quote from my uncle who was an engineer. And, um, and I love it. I, I grew up with it. Because we're all focused on the technicalities, and we have to come to this conference to learn things, to tactics, to take back, to try to better our condition. I am not dissing that. But we also have to look at the way the world is changing around us and how we do our work. And the technicalities of what vendor do you, what vendor do you use for this, or did you get a little bit more money out of that, it, 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 it's, um, it's depressing. And so, um, you know, journalism in a network world to me is I just wanted to take a moment and stretch for a minute and think about how you go from a federated world of local sites and businesses in your own communities who are sharing through a marvelous trade association like this that brings you together with conferences and communities to think like a platform and take that leap right now that you as a network of independent journalists, alternative media, that you and your communities are a platform. And when you talk about Facebook and when you talk about Twitter and you talk about all the people you just want to publish to to get traffic back, they are platforms. And what would it mean, and what would it mean to your journalism to act like a platform and not take your, and, and act as a platform with the unique attributes of independent alternative journalism as different from mainstream, from newspaper conglomerates and from broadcast conglomerates and so forth. Um, and to exploit your unique position and scale to do the stories that matter, to set the agendas in this country that have the impact that we need and to not just participate in, in a little way in your community and get your prize at the conference, but to know that, to not understand the ROI, the return on investment in that reporting to, to the Supreme Court ruling, to think about the possible impact of that reporting. So you're a bunch of local, local weeklies. Maybe you could be a network of weeklies. And I'm not talking about the technicalities 
of combining your infrastructure, of who just rolled up a bunch of different chains. I'm just talking about how you think about your journalism and how you share the smarts, smarts to do great work. Um, so what's the sharing? Somebody did great. The sharing economy story was great. But uh, I, I want to talk just and mention quickly two concepts, and then I'll leave it open for questions because i got to get off the stage, which is... Um, just think about new ways of doing things. Um, and there's something called a triple bottom line business. A lot of people in nonprofits talk about double bottom line businesses, profitable companies that also give back some social good. But in all the conversations I've heard about sustainability in journalism, I have never heard anybody talk about triple bottom line, and it, it amazes me, so I thought I'd mention it today, which is triple bottom line businesses are businesses that actually put more back into an ecosystem than they take out. How do you as members put more back into this association and this movement of yours than you are taking out here while you're here? And the reason why people have to put more in than they take out is to sustain the business. And that's a concept that in all the, and I wrote a report for the investigative, you know, I can list every way to make money with an, you know, on a news site, every service you can develop, every lovely tactic. I could actually consult with any of you and make money off of you to show you how to do any of them if anybody wants. But at the end of the day, you've got to figure out as a unit how to act and how to give back more to the mission of alternative weeklies than to anybody yourself. And I know you all have too much to do. But with networks, you know, with these kinds of networks, actually, if you all give back, the power of the network will be greater. You will feed the ecosystem. You will become a healthier uh, industry as a whole, you will become more attractive to the best vendors, the best insightful people, the, the best products, the best opportunities if you act as a unit. If somebody said up here, the power of my newspaper is X, but as a network across this country, we, re we represent Y an audience. We have this much influence as a unit. So go back quickly to the stories that we've been doing. Um, that we think about all the time, and think about how we can ladder up from neighborhood to local to regional to national to international. How do we tell the climate story? How do we tell the race story? How do we pick those beats as an industry and look for scale? And how do we not wait to get the award tonight, but to actually award ourselves for how we worked collaboratively, to how we created the work, how we came together, give an award for the best collaboration, the best journalism at scale. Just some new ideas. So I'll leave you with three practical points, which is I would love to see um, some coordination of the great coverage that I read about in parts. A shared sort of tentpole editorial calendar to create transparency, increase serendipity, improve the relevance of your coverage. So when one person is working on climate change as it results to um, something that's going on that maybe a group of you work on climate change, climate change. That you template as well the promotion of those stories, that you partner with your business side to make sure that you actually tell the world that you're doing that work. And that you work together to decrease the awareness of the work that you do, the relevance of what's happening in communities, and the impact that it can have on the national conversation. And so... You know, the perils of a mature industry is that you've been manufacturing it a lot. You built the building, you got the presses, you got the one clock in town, everybody gets the job in the mill, you feel like that's it, eventually you get to be a manager, yada, yada, yada. And then you kind of wonder what's going on in the world because the world is totally messed up.
I mean, 10 years ago, I was talking about the marketplace. Well, the marketplace is mature now. There are real-scale collaborative business models that are powering new ways of creating intellectual property and content and stories. So we all know what Albert Einstein says and what every alcoholic says or whatever. That's a common phrase. But uh, at the end of the day, I think there's an exciting equation to take what we, to, to take what we heard from Pew about what's desperate Manja together what we heard from the media consortium about collaborating and bringing uh, efforts together using some of that experience. Taking the meat of the roundtable in journalism, what was talking about stories that matter. Using the tools and the workways of Vox and creating network journalism that matters. And for that, I go back to the little graph that I always say, which is, I want to create my journalism, I'll use my technology, I'll reach my audience, but I want impact. And I'm not afraid to say it. And that's because I have always wanted to impact from the days that I started reading the alternative press when I grew up with my alternative weekly in Western Massachusetts. And when my point of view as a young adult and how I care about community was minted from the properties that you all own and the journalism that you did. And you cannot surrender it, but you've got to figure out how to collaborate with the communities and your audiences to reinvent the journalism and the stories and congratulate yourself for being of a platform that has scale and makes a difference. And so that's, uh, that's it. That's good. Okay. There's some other stuff in here, but that's fine. I'm over time. Thank you. <laughs> Before we get to the interview with uh, Elizabeth, I, I just wanted to put a little footnote here on her presentation. Uh, hers was the, um, middle portion of a three-part keynote address that took place on Friday morning during the conference. The first speaker was uh, Eric Bright. Uh, I posted that presentation last week. And uh, the final speaker was Mark Goodman, which I posted uh, about a month or so ago. So for for no apparent reason, we posted them out of order. But if you do want to to listen to them, uh, go ahead and listen to Eric's, listen to Elizabeth's, and listen to Mark in that order, and you'll you'll have the whole experience uh, of being at the conference and listening to that keynote. A couple of things uh, also I wanted to talk about. First of all, uh, this week's podcast was produced by Michael O'Connell, myself, and also Amber Healy. We appreciate the feedback that we do get about the podcast. We're trying to do our best to sort of expand the, the type of work and the type of interviews that we're going to be doing in the future. And uh, if you like our podcast, you know, let us know about it. You know, let us know through social media. Send us an email. Uh, if you like a particular episode, you know, go into iTunes and, and give it a positive rating. I know there are other podcasts out there that ask their listeners to do that. Um, we haven't done that in the past, but, uh, we do want to see what we can, where we can take this thing and, uh, we want to hear what you have to say. So, so let us know. I should also mention, uh, once again, to thank uh, the association of alternative news media for our partnership. Uh, they helped us to, uh, set up some of these interviews ahead of time. They also feature us on their website and we like being associated with them because they're good people. They represent some really great publications out there and uh, they cue us in a lot of things that are going on in, in journalism, in the alternative uh, news space. So check them out at altweeklies.com if you get a chance. But uh, let's uh, get to our interview with Elizabeth. Can, can I get you to first to introduce yourself and what your, your position is and sort of describe that? My name is Elizabeth Oster, and I live in two camps right now. I'm the head of revenue for a platform company called Lacana that provides 
um, content management and SaaS solutions to power about uh, 75% of the U.S. population and uh, about 150 uh, television markets. And then I'm also a consultant, and I run the Osder Group, which is eight years old, and we provide uh, no-nonsense, high-impact consulting to media companies, startups, journalism organizations, and brands. And our moniker is no-nonsense consulting from people with experience getting the job done. So what is it that they come to you for? People come to me for all kinds of things. I'm a problem solver and an opportunity creator. So half the time I'm a hazmat crew for folks who have gotten themselves in a pinch, who started something with a passion but can't make it uh, affordable and make it, make it uh, sustainable economically. Sometimes people have put in a, a platform and it doesn't work the way they want it to. And sometimes people want to shape an idea for something they dream about being in the future. Um, so I work on a variety of st- strategic issues to operational product and monetization issues as a consultant. And then on my better engagements, I work on content. I actually actually do a fair amount of um, editorial work when I can, which is a lot of fun. So um, I've been around a long time. Um, I can play any position on the field. And so um, what I like is variety is the spice of life. And I take on uh, those things that are interesting that make my life more, it make me more informed and entertained about the work that I love. Okay. Well, like me, you've been in, in journalism for, for a few decades. And, and you've been right there looking at things change. You know, sort of what have you, what was sort of your impressions as, as that sort of rolled out over the years as what was happening in journalism? Well, you know, it's been a, a long road, and I can make fun. I, I love uh, – uh, I was at the, the Ann conference recently, and, you know, I was sort of headlined as a pioneer. And, you know, the old line is, you know, the pioneers have arrows in their back. And um, I've been around this medium and news since the early 90s. I started bringing a local newspaper chain online for advanced publications for the Newhouse newspaper chain. I quickly landed a job at the New York Times, um, helping launch their website, and so went on a career, a career that would have dreamt of uh, taking years to ascend to the gray lady, you know, took all of 15 months for me out of journalism school. So it's been a roller coaster ride, to say the least. But there's a difference in it when you're sitting on a beach watching people, you know, surf versus if you're in the, in the wave surfing. And I've been in the wave surfing the whole time. And um, so I've never watched things unfold. I've participated in how they've unfolded. Mm -hmm. And so what has uh, surprised and delighted me is that I continue to learn, that things continue to change, and that uh, journalism is alive and well. It just doesn't seem as recognizable as it did to me when I, I got in, so through my old eyes. So what, what, what I like to tell people is, you know, over 25 years, those of us who call ourselves sort of big J journalists, I think have lived with some blinders on because we have a lot of traditions and a lot of things that we consider journalism and how it's manufactured and what its purpose is. And it is a very, very sacrosanct and important field. But uh, who does it? is not always who who we used to think was going to do it. And so that's what's changed. So for me, I've been riding the waves. I've been in the midst of it. Um, I have seen journalism organizations change slower than the economy writ large and other businesses. I have seen people try to hold on desperately to the past and fight it. And then I have seen just wonderful pockets of innovation and startups and people who have taken either stories or verticals or subjects that they're passionate about and run with it. And um, I think that 
you know, all in all, I think it's been a net positive experience. Uh, I think society is well served by the new forms of journalism that it's getting. And I think actually we've come through the darkest days of journalism. I think things were pretty bad in the late 90s, the early 2000s. I think even around the mid-2005, 2010, where we were sort of succumbed to portal porn and snarkery and, you know, page whoring, um, I think you're actually seeing quality work and you're seeing new devices allow uh, human attention to be amassed in ways that are easy so they can c- consume the content that's important to their lives. Yeah, I think there's an incredible opportunity right now in journalism, and I, I'm always excited about it. Coming to a conference like this, and, and just it's like recharging your batteries, uh, that you're, you're hearing people speak who have ideas, and, and they talk about what they've done in the newsroom, and they, they bring you different perspectives, and you... And, you know, it just come away really, really charged and, and sort of refocused on, you know, as you said, journalism is, is, is important. And, and that's when you start talking to these people and see that, you know, they, they're passionate about journalism. I mean, I admire that in a lot of people. But anyway, that's not a question. So the question, the question is, I mean, one of the things we were talking to about a little, a little while ago is that there seem to be sort of two types of conversations that go on here. One is about journalism, journalism meaning editorial side of the building, and the other is about business. And sometimes, they, you know, you touched on that a little bit in your, in your presentation this morning, that there, there's sort of this constant conversation around, you know, how we pay for journalism, you know, how we, how we improve our journalism to take advantage of what's going on in the, in, in the, the stream and the environment now. So what are, your, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think there's a couple of questions packed in there. One is the dichotomy between content creation, journalism, and the business. And uh, one of the things in my panel segment this morning in the keynotes was is that content isn't a very good business. Yeah. Um, and it used to be when distribution was limited and you could actually package things up and supply was limited and there was a the, the economics were right to make a good business out of throwing something on somebody's doorstep or picking it up out of a box. It's changed. Um and the distribution of information is commoditized, and there's no longer a way to take content and put it in. You can't put the in the horseback in the barn. It's very, very hard to monetize it. But what you can do is understand that what you're doing in media, and when you have a, a mass of content assets and when you have a significant bunch of relationships with people in the community, is that there are lots of ways that you can make money and that you can... Um, fortify and pad and protect that sacrosanct journalism. And um, part of what um, I think people have trouble um, getting a grip on is, is for me, I think that journalism is a very um, uh, poorly used word now, and it's one of those things that needs to sort of, it it should go away. I think we should be talking about reporting with impact. I think we should talk about reporting, not journalism. Uh, the professionalization of journalism, I think, has been destructive. It's never been like a law, lawyer or a doctor where you needed a degree. It wasn't a profession. It was only when monopoly businesses allowed people to have six-figure salaries uh, in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s where people could consider themselves professionals. Uh, it's a shoe leather trade. It's for people that are hungry that want to go out and get stories. It's, um, it, it's, it's, it's a um, civil service for people, and um, I think that in most communities, if you look at the jobs and the journalism that needs to be done, 
and you talk about what that costs and what it would take to support that, you probably could figure out how to get that funded. But what you can't recreate is all the jobs and all the, the benefits that we once had, had when we had monopoly economics. So for me, it's about dividing up those things that are the kind of shoe leather, high impact, high yield, um, shining light in dark places, reporting that takes rigor and expertise and results in change in communities and awareness. And you realize if you tear up a newspaper, it's only one or two pages of 30, 40 pages that actually even, you know, try to have that content. So if we just try to pay for that, it's much more achievable. But what everybody wants is a little spoiled. They want the full package back. Well, things change. Jobs go to India. Jobs go to China. Journalism becomes uh, those things that you used to be able to get paid a lot of money for, you can't get paid as much for. And it, it's just it's just change. It's just the ebbs and flows of a, an economy. And so for me, what's heartening about this conference is to hear the people that have their hands on the knobs of passionate projects who can do great journalism, who want to tell stories, want to shine light in dark places, and do that really important work. And they do it in a hard not way because working on an alternative weekly is not a you know it's not the glamour job in town. And so they they stick and there and do it. And then on the other side of this business, the publishers, the salespeople, the people who go out there every day and package that up and connect with small businesses and actually create the revenue that pays, that underwrites the journalism. It's kind of a beautiful thing, and I wish they wouldn't fight with each other so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the journalism uh, part of it. Uh, the, the presentation that you had this morning, you were part of uh, three different speakers talking about different aspects of sort of well, journalism and business and, and producing content. And uh, you, you, you were there to pretty much talk about the, the, the journalism side and, and how to promote good, good journalism. Um, who, do you, who out there do you see you know, that sort of inspires you? Well, at this point, um, the people that inspire me um, are a lot of people um, who are the 21st century version of a freelancer, who goes out every day and has is a small business person who has a skill and finds the work that they love and makes the money they can. Um, I find that, um, I always laugh that entrepreneurial journalism is another one of these terms that's invented. It's all sort of academic and from, from on high. I don't care for the term journalism anymore, as I said, and I don't care for the word entrepreneurial to be um, associated with anything that ever takes grant funding or seeks to be a nonprofit. You know, entrepreneurs are people who um, can live with less, who take risks, who, um, who go out on a limb, who lose things to get things that aren't quantifiable. And most of the entrepreneurial journalism organizations were creating institutions places. So for me, what I really love is the entrepreneurial people who are going out still and doing what freelancers used to be, flying someplace and taking the pictures on the ground, interviewing people, finding somebody to pick up their story. Um, a lot of freelancers who produce, I was a photojournalist 100 years ago, and so finding people who just want to go and witness things and to talk to people and share that information. Um, you know, on the investigative side, I am um, proud and excited by a lot of what has happened in the sort of quote-unquote nonprofit investigative news space. Um, I think the, the masters of that of ProPublica, 
Um, I think that they have built a high-quality organization, and they have never fantasized or sugar-coated the reality of that. And they really actually operate their business every day, and they don't um, – they've created a real difference because they understood that they had a problem with – that they could, they could create great journalism, but they had a distribution problem. They created partnerships to get it out there. And they're – never pretended that they found it easy to be sustainable, but they've earned their foundation money, their donor money, they've diversified their revenue streams, and, and they're holding on. And they've set a bar for great work. Um, and they were a leader, and there are many followers, but the specialness of them is something that not everybody can reproduce, I think. So, um, you know, I admire anybody who still wants to tell stories, who still wants to go on adventures, who still wants to talk to somebody who's different and help people understand and create a dialogue? You mentioned in your in your um, presentation this morning. You you had been you went to the Yuri Victor uh, presentation yesterday, which I was at. Yuri's been our, on our podcast, so we we've talked a lot about Vox, partly because we're in D.C. and it's easy to get get oh. them. And I would say this, and sort of as an aside in, in, in the podcast, my advocating for for Vox is that. I don't want everybody to be Vox, but I, I, I think adopting their ethic would be a huge thing in a lot of newsrooms, that, uh, of going out and, and seeing a, a problem or, or a different way of, uh, of approaching storytelling or approaching reporting and getting content out to people. I, you know, I like that aspect of what they're doing. That's one of the things I sort of add, that, that, that I like when, when we have them in and, and talk to them about that. What, what do you think about sort of this, the startup mentality of – uh, is this sort of the you know what you were talking about before in entrepreneurs that, that somebody going out there and, and and finding a a new way of telling a story a new type of uh, I don't want to say journalism but just bringing it forward and, and creating something. So l- l- let me just sort of roll it back to Vox for a second, sure. which I have tremendous respect for, and I get a real kick out of Yuri, and he did a terrific job. Uh-huh. Um, I love what they're doing there. I f- I look at his presentation, talks about starting that, and I feel like. That's the team that I was on when we launched the New York Times who got the reins and got to take it where it could go when in a place like an institution like the New York Times, those of us who founded it, those of us who took the risk to do that – we're all set aside by the times as they move the requisite people over from the newsroom. 20 or 30 years later, they... Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I no. mean, they're... they're, they're uh, look, they, they needed to have the people they were comfortable with running the right. Internet. We were the kids who came to the, you know, and got to run the asylum sure. in the first three years, and we all left. We all have stellar careers other places, and that's an interesting thing to track. Right. But the riptide hit... When everybody else, when they installed the people who were just like them to run digital. Right. So what I like about Vox is, is I look over there and I sort of see like the kids really got to run the asylum. Right. And let's talk about that. So Vox is not the kind of entrepreneurialism that I was talking about in terms of reporting. And I think uh, let's 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 be candid, which is. Um, to the layman's eye, I don't think that people are going to look at Vox stories and, you know, actually say this is absolutely different. Oh, yeah. This is absolutely fantastic. So no. as the what is the packaging and what they're putting out there, is it that much different? Maybe not. What's different is, is how they go about making it, how they work together, how they collaborate, how they have adopted a product development or software development methodology in the creation of their content, how it's an open system, how they do not have to make a daily miracle that they're willing to do things like – 
uh, cards and actually uh, assemble a story and build, make a topic page that works, that they're able to take things that we've tried many times in the past and make them work through an open, collaborative, on-demand um, sharing economy principles. And that's what I talked about today, which right. is how do you bring sharing economy on-demand to your journalism? How do you take out a lot of the the drag, the load of how right. we used to do things because that's what journalism is and let things be more nimble, entrepreneurial, and flexible. Yeah, and, and, and my, my thoughts about Fox, and I've talked about this before, is that what it first attracted me and caught my attention was uh, here was somebody with, with the idea of how do we design a newsroom that functions in the new space. I felt these decades that we've been sort of muscling through this transition from the old style journalism to what we what we have today not that necessarily today is the end result um, but that for a long time there were a lot of people who were trying to maintain the old structures and, and they were reporting and, and not really taking advantage of what digital gave them because they were instead trying to sort of prop up a, 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 a structure that was built for a different type of delivery system a different type of storytelling um, not that there aren't elements in there that, that can be incorporated to the way we tell stories, but that just this idea, okay, well, we're in the space. If we recognize that the space that we're in is a different type of structure, what can we do that, that, not, that not only accomplishes the goals of journalism or reporting, um, but, but takes advantage of that space and not is trying to create something that's artificial that doesn't confine us in an old way that would. Well, you know, today in my talk I was, you know, I don't have to be brilliant. I just, you know, some of this stuff is just dumbing it down. You know, the classic quote from Albert Einstein, to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Um, at Vox, they're not doing the same thing over and over again. They're reinventing it every day as, a, as an agile process. You know, there's concepts called co-development today and software development where two uh, engineers work together and QA each, other, QA each other in the process and write code together. There's so many ways that colla the collaborative economy allows the creation and the manufacturing of intellectual property that makes it better, that makes it more compelling. And that's what my talk was today about that is that the manufacturing process of journalism is, is you know, I get to write two stories a week that appear in a newspaper. That is my right. And it will go from my reporting to my computer, to my editor, to that layout person, and to be shipped out on that page. These kinds of, the other quote I shared was about, that, you know, nothing is sort of as mind-boggling as all the technicalities we get involved with, which is the how we do things. Right. Um, conceptually, journalism is a big concept. The technicalities of how we produce it and the way people hold on to those technicalities, which is what's throwing it under the bus. Yeah, journalism is a little ADD, I think, in some degree, that, it, that, that we have to touch these certain touchstones to make things happen. But, yeah. but that's not really the case. Yeah. The overall discourse on what journalism is to me, for me is uh, it's the most overreported topic. <laughs> there are more column inches probably on the decline and fall of journalism, the future of entrepreneurial journalism, the latest startup from some fanboy journalist doing something than there probably is on you know race in America on, on a weekly basis. Yeah. And that's a crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, just so as you know, even though our, our, our podcast is called It's All Journalism, we do talk about reporting. And a, part, a lot of what we really do 
and, and what people respond to is we talk to people who are solving problems because I think that's what we really need to do. And that's, you know, we come to events like this to see, to see different people who are doing work, similar work to what we, we are doing, but they're doing it in different ways. They're coming up with different approaches that sort of, you know, hey, this is something I can apply in what I'm doing and how I'm solving problems. I mean, that's, that's what I think there needs to be more of. But I, I really want to key on the word collaboration that you said. I think collaboration is is critical. I mean, I work at Federal News Radio. We cover the federal government, and that's something that's that the, this idea of creating creating collaborative workspace is a huge push right now, and in, uh, in, in the way they're redoing government offices, and, and the reason they're doing that is because they're finding, you know, that they get happier workers. They they get the workers who are creating uh, better content and feel like they're more involved in the process, and so just doing their jobs better by, by approaching it in a more collaborative workspace and collaborative environment, I think, is, is, is something that we're seeing more of. And I think a lot of the digital technology, a lot of, you know, things like telework and hoteling and, and you know, open workspace design, uh, these things all help the, that sort of stuff to happen. It's less a question and more of a statement. It's okay. We're I, having a good conversation. I make a lot of, I make a lot right? of statements. So when is it, when is this whole journalism thing going to be figured out? Do we have we have any idea? Is it is, can is this not going to be figured out? Is it? No, it's not going to be figured out. I think it's going to sail away with all you know. The, the ship is going to go out with all of the people who are holding desperately on to what was, <laughs> and across the horizon will sail a new you know many new ships. They won't look like the old ships. Will there be pirate ships? There may be some pirate oh, ships. Sweet. There'll be some pirates. I love the pirates. I have uh, to say, the pirates make you know make it fun. Um, there'll be a beautiful mermaid. There'll be a starry sky, and actually, we're going to find that you know as they sail along, people riding in new ships, doing things new ways, are going to see plastic floating in the ocean and figure out ways to tell us that the environment is in trouble and to wake people up about that. They're going to figure out that. Uh, you know, the, the, it's raining too often or it's too hot and too dry, and they're going to do something about that, and they're going to find their way. It's just those of us who are holding on to the past that are uh, – um, and, and, and filling the airways with the past that are getting a little bit uh, uh, tired. And that's why, for me, uh, I left the, 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 the center of the craft some years ago, <laughs> and I choose to be um, an advocate, a coach, a friend. I work my journalism projects when I can. I underwrite them with my commercial project and my brand projects so I can pay for them and do the service work for journalism organizations that I want. Um, I keep my fit in, f finger in what's important, which is an informed society and protecting our rights yeah. uh, you know, to report and have access. Um, and that's what really matters. And the technicalities of who does it, how they do it, whether they use your software or don't use your software sort of – um, is the sad, uh, you know, the side, sad discourse that we're left with. So at the end of the day, um, I want to inspire people who want to be journalists, the fact that they can make a difference, they can take risks, and they can find their way uh, in their careers doing that. And I think um, there's a generation of people now coming up that uh, don't have to break down the barriers I had to break down and didn't have to kind of leave like I had to, to just keep doing the work that I love. They're pretty. They're pretty um, uh, annoyed with our barriers. Yeah. I have found. Yeah, they could just stay. I mean, look, you know, you know, I'm I'm an old lady now. You know, I've been doing this 25 years, 
And, uh, you know, when I got started, the person who had been doing something for 25 years was at the dawn of television, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it changes. Yeah. You know, radio wasn't what it was anymore when TV came in. You know, it changes. Yeah. And so, um, you know, our perspectives sometimes are for the history books, uh, for the, um, you know, to, to, to tell the young people about how it was. Yeah. But uh, every day, um, I think... Uh, we are always connected by these devices. There's a constant stream of information, and that the cream will rise to the surface, but there are going to be problems along the way. It is an imperfect thing, product development. We test and learn, we test and learn, and it gets better over time. And the journalism that's produced in this new economy and distributed on these devices will over time as well. And I just have fun always watching it unfold, and I thank you for allowing me to share some of my thoughts with this you This has been great. No, this has been great. Uh, there's nobody who, who omphalous skepticizes who looks at our navels more than journalists, I think, much to our detriment because that's just another distraction from keeping us from covering the real stories that we should be doing. So anyway, let's get over this. Amen to that. Okay. Cool. All right. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also download episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at All Journalism. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.